Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can follow us on Facebook or visit our website at BeatitudesChurch.org. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society. Well, this morning you're going to get especially um, wet with the scriptures. Uh, That's actually going to be our scripture for next week. So I'm going to read the the scripture that um, will go with today's sermon. And that's also from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 11, verses 16 through 19 and 25 through 30. I I think there was a mix-up when I sent the the sermon um, scriptures over. But here is today's scripture. But to what will I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to one another. We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We wailed, and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, look, a drunkard and a glutton, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. At that time, Jesus said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Well, grace and peace to you on this hot summer day. I grew up in this denomination, the United Church of Christ in rural Pennsylvania. And throughout the 60s and the 70s and 80s, I was baptized at as an infant, and I attended nursery school. I was confirmed. I was married in the same gray-steepled church, and our pastor remained in that pulpit for 30 years. When my father died when I was 12, the pastor and the people of that church comforted my mother and my siblings and me. They surrounded us with presence and care and were everything that a church community should be in a time like that. And I learned early that it was good to be yoked to other believers in a close community of faith. And I hope you do too. That's your take-home message in a nutshell today. A good church should be a place of nurture, of comfort, and of challenge. It should teach us about the liberating message of Jesus, a Jesus who our text today tells us came eating and drinking, who hung out with and called the tax collectors like Matthew, and who calls us to balance and faith in life, and who came to teach us that we, through him, are yoked to God. 
our yoking to God and to one another lightens our individual burdens and gives us soul rest. And this is especially good for all of you at the Church of the Beatitudes uh, con congregation to hear in this time between pastors. On a weekly basis, you are one another's supporters and comforters. You are each other's pastors, if you will, in this time between times. Well, the truth is, I never knew myself to be separated or unyoked from God. My United Church of Christ Church taught all of us from day one, from infancy, that Jesus reconciled us to God once and for all. It was over, finished, once and for all. From my babyhood on, immersion in this church's community nursery school and Sunday school and regular worship services and youth group taught me that God was with me always. I was God's beloved, inseparable from God. And I understood this as a young child. In verse 25 of today's scripture, uh, Jesus indicates that Infants get things that the wise and intelligent often do not. The wise and the intelligent adults sometimes get bogged down in rules, and they obsess over who God loves and who God does not love, who's in and who's out. This kind of judgmentalism was never part of my United Church of Christ formation. Well, maybe because of losing my father early in life, I became especially interested in the things of God that eventually led me to the ordained ministry. As a young person, I was especially hungry for spiritual knowledge and understanding, and I grappled at an early age with some of the big questions in life, especially this question of suffering and evil in the wake of my father's painful and early death from cancer at age 43. And maybe because of my profound interest in religion and spirituality as a teenager, I sometimes went with some relatives when they started attending a large fundamentalist church in the area that focused on topics that my United Church of Christ did not topics like this notion of a rapture, and who was saved and not saved, and on many, many rules lists, beginning with do nots, I heard my first so-called sin list there. Do not drink, do not smoke, do not get tattoos. Ladies, don't wear sundresses, they're too revealing, and don't wear pants to church. Women do not become pastors. You don't go to movies or to the fallen public schools. Yet, I went to that church sometimes out of morbid curiosity, but mostly because they had an awesome youth program with lots of activities and games which lured in all the community kids. And when you would drive into the parking lot there, there was a big neon sign with the name of the church and their oft-quoted scripture passage from, God, from John. And yes, in King James English, ye must be born again. 
and that pastor would constantly pound that out on the pulpit with his fist. Ye must be born again. Well, fast forward through the next decade or so, and that church began losing a bit of ground, as all churches were, because of similar societal trends. You know what I'm talking about. Remember when this church was large and the pews were full? I've heard stories about those glory days. Well, that fundamentalist church must have done some soul searching, as we all have done. They changed. Um, one thing that they did was modify the Bible verse on their neon sign. And they changed it to the beloved one that concludes our scripture text from Matthew today. Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Call it a kind of rebranding or whatever, but I like that change. For me, that recalled more of the essence of my United Church of Christ, our denomination. Now, with that background, let's do a bit of a deep dive into the scripture so we really know what's going on here. Jesus is talking to the crowds first about Jesus' forerunner, John the Baptist, and then about himself. The essence of what Jesus is saying is that some people refuse to be satisfied, and they always need something to criticize and thus they are staying out on the periphery. And he likens these people to children who refuse to play with each other. We played the flute for you, and you didn't dance, and we mourned for you, and you didn't lament. His words are directed to the people who did not engage. They did not engage with John the Baptist's stricter style, and they are not engaging with Jesus liberating style. See, back then, most Jews were carrying heavy religious rules and a lot of guilt when they broke them. They had 612 laws to follow, plus the Ten Commandments. And all of these things covered, uh, all these laws covered things like dressing and cooking and eating and washing and marrying and burying and laws for working and resting and laws for women and different laws for men. The laws covered all facets of life. And Matthew concludes this passage with Jesus saying, and I paraphrase, if you're tired of carrying the weight of these rules, come to me. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. I offer abundant grace. I can set you free. Stop obsessing over the rules. You can find rest for your soul in me. Those who understood this message were children, the ones who had just heard this, or the Gentiles whose lives were littered with sin, but who were unfamiliar with all the religious laws and rules. No wonder the fundamentalist church eventually changed its neon sign. In keeping with the spirit of Jesus, ye must be born again, became, come to me, all you who are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. And I think this verse best communicates the gospel of Jesus, the good news. 
people, at least most of them, aren't attracted to sin lists. Ye must and ye must not. The good news is that coming to Jesus means we don't have to carry our guilt and our shame. Jesus carries it for us. The good news is that in a church community, our fellow God-bearers, in imitation of Jesus, yoke with us, and they lighten our burdens, our burdens of grief, like for my family back when my father died way too young. See, John the Baptist represented the law. He lived an ascetic life in the desert. He wore rough clothing and he ate bugs. His preaching was rough. Now, some people were drawn to it, of course, but it repelled others. Some things never change. Have you, all, have you ever gone to a church with rough preaching? Yeah, it can be really offensive for good and sometimes for bad. Well, you remember John the Baptist. He was arrested and later beheaded because he offended Herod's family. Some people even say that he had a demon. But we know he prepared the way for Jesus, even though his way contrasted with Jesus' way. Both talked about repentance, which is really a call to think differently, in other words, be ready to have your way of thinking inverted. Jesus is coming to upend all the old orders. Well, to many people, John looked like an ascetic, a religious fanatic who barely ate anything. And then here comes Jesus, who seemed to many to be a bit too freewheeling. Our text tells us that Jesus came eating and drinking. Well, I like that. And Matthew indicates that some accused Jesus of being a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Moreover, he healed on the Sabbath. His disciples were not observing the law perfectly, and Jesus defends them for their lack of rigor. And then Jesus is always sparring with those Pharisees, the keepers of the law, and he is arousing the ire of so many. The rule keepers, the ones who defended the status quo, the ones who could not and would not think differently. On top of that, Jesus was tempting the crowds that he's talking to to join him. So you see now what led him to the cross. It's hard to think differently. Some need the structure and the security of rules, and they balk when they're offered too much freedom. And then others take freedoms too far, and they end up interfering with the freedoms of others. I saw this beautifully representative uh, recently with this picture of a pumpkin pie. Yes, someone indeed took her piece of it, but she took her wedge-shaped piece out of the very middle of the pie, thereby reducing the amount of everyone else's pieces who would observe the, albeit unspoken, rule of normal pie cutting. So our text today sets up this contrast between John the Baptist and Jesus. And I'm not saying that John the Baptist was wrong and Jesus was right or that one was bad and that one was good. 
Both of their messages have the potential to push us out of our old comfort zones. Jesus is saying that God's wisdom was at work in both of them, but many were rejecting their messages and looking for things to criticize. Do we need rules? Yes, a few. Notice that Jesus doesn't advise going yokeless. Do we need to be obsessed with rules? No, we don't. Jesus, in fact, elsewhere boiled all commandments down to two, which if you think about it are all encompassing. Love God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Don't cut your pie wedge out of the middle of the pie. That's not how you love your neighbor as you love yourself. If we truly love God and love neighbor, the world would be a radically different place. Jesus fulfilled the law, which had its purpose and its place and time. John the Baptist was the bridge to the new way, to his cousin Jesus' way, a way where the yoke is easy and the burden is light and where your weary soul can find rest. Soul rest. Do you need it? We all need it in this busy, frantic world. Our Christian walk should not be burdensome. Jesus promises us that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Legend tells us that this image of a yoke came from the carpenter Jesus, who learned from Joseph to make such yokes. Jesus would have learned how a well-fitting yoke made it much easier for the, the oxen to do their work. He would have known how to make a yoke that fit the oxen's necks so that it didn't rub or shave. Yet there was still work, but Jesus' yoke made the work easier and more comfortable. And yes, a yoke imposes a measure of control on the oxen. Neither animal was free to go its own direction because its bond to the other animal served as a constraint. We still have measures of control in society, rules, you know, are for our own protection. We have, albeit unwritten, rules against cutting a piece of pie that robs another. And written rules that extend that metaphor. God wants us to be yoked to God and under God's control where we can be transformed. Now, I think that Jesus was saying in our text today that even the yoke of the law is better than the yoke of the world because the yoke of the law was inspired by God. But folks like many of the Pharisees made the yoke of the law become far too burdensome. And then Jesus came to fulfill that law and write it on our hearts instead. What was outward would now be inward and would be inscribed upon our hearts. The over 600 laws got prioritized and simplified. Love God and love neighbor. Be yoked with God and be yoked with neighbor. Be yoked with one another in your church community. Have each other's backs. Yoke with one another when life gets rough and tragedy occurs. Take care of the widow and the orphan. Surround them, as did the church of my youth, with presence and care. Teach them from infancy on that we are never unconnected from God. They are our exhortations for today. 
While the original context here refers to the burden of the Jewish law, we can still extend this to the weariness and the burdens that we still carry. Our concerns about our jobs, our money, our relationships, our health, aging, and our security in an age of daily shootings and nuclear saber rattling. We sometimes have tough choices to make in life that burden us. And some of us maybe are feeling criticism or feel lonely or maybe feeling many other things that I haven't named. But the good news for us today is this. Jesus shares his concern for our burdens just as he shared his concern for the law-burdened Jews of his day. His promise for us today is also as real. Come to me, all you who are weary, who labor and are heavily burdened, and I will give you rest. And we, who follow in his way, are called to offer a gentle yoking to one another, to alleviate each other's burdens as we walk this journey of life together. We need one another, and we need the soul rest that Jesus offers. He gives us grace and abundance. May these words inspire, challenge, and give us peace and comfort today. Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can help us to continue this program by making your donations at BeatitudesChurch.org backslash online dash giving. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society.